This is Brain Fuzz, the art, music and culture podcast with Joe Camusa and Matthew White. You're listening to a live stream recording of Brain Fuzz on site from their residency at the Temporary Arts Centre in Atlanta. It's messier than usual, in a good way. Joe and Matthew speak with artist Drew Conrad about his work, the destruction of work, the role that music has played for him, and the specific works on view at the Temporary Arts Centre. Just getting kind of settled in. Guest Drew Conrad. Yeah. I like how you say my name. Drew Conrad. Sounds like a Chevrolet dealership. Drew Conrad. Chevrolet. All cars will be marked out. It has enthusiasm that most people don't have when they say my name. (laughs) What? Like in the... Where where, where does that happen? I don't know. I'm like, well, we'll leave all those stories out. Those are other stories. We've been wanting to talk for some time. Well, I don't know that you have. I've been wanting to talk for some time. But we ran into each other uh, in Kinderhook by just chance... And it was funny because I had remembered your work and seen your work at uh, Get This Gallery, I think, first. Yeah, like he, he's had three incarnations of Get yeah. This. The first one was in Castleberry. The other one was, I don't even know what area of town that would be considered. The 11th Street one? Yeah. Next to Saltworks? Yeah. And then there was also... Uh, the Nancy Solomon Yeah, space. yeah, the Nancy yeah. Solomon space. You had the, the installations, I, I mean, I can almost see them in my mind's eye. Uh, large pieces, what five by ten? Yeah, they get they, they get big. Uh, some of those, yeah, like probably scale scale wise is in that eight to nine foot tall window, maybe like six feet square, and all the other mm. dimensions. You know, wanting something proportioned to like human scale, but not so monumental. It's kind of obnoxious, but mm-hmm. it's something relative. Wow, obnoxious is never a word that's come to mind uh, anytime I've, I've well, looked. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it's it's like for me, you know, I, I use that. Maybe I use adjectives that are kind of uh, not the best at times. There's this there's this thing that I do, like when I start building a sculpture, it's like when to stop, and I want it to be bigger and bigger and bigger, and then you just have this hulking mass that you're like, what am I going to do with this? So I feel like there's I try to rein it in to something a little bit smaller than what I would really want to do, you know? Yeah, so you feel like at some moment it crosses over into the obnoxious? Yeah, well, it crosses over into, like, I'm close encounters of the third kind, you know? Yeah. I'm just building that yeah. thing on the table, and it's like, what are you doing, and where's the stopping point? And with most of my sculptures, they've been very, like, architectural or have, like, these wood elements, and I never really use a, a sketch or anything. I start creating this thing, and it tells me, oh, well, I, it should have another piece here, and it could have another piece there. And when you kind of build on that intuition, you realize that you can just tell yourself that there's always another piece that could be stuck onto the side of that thing, and it just keeps growing. So I, there's moments that I just have to stop myself, and then I'm like, we'll start again on another piece. Do you ever, do you work, is it one piece at a time, or do you have kind of a couple? Well, it's, it, when I was making those sculptures, uh, I haven't made one in a while. Like, I have a show coming up in New York in the next year if scheduling works out that way but uh, when I was building them in, in Brooklyn uh, my studio was only big enough where I could only make one at a time I was kind of limited by scale like my studio I don't think I've ever had a studio bigger than 500 square feet so like I'm just those parameters kind of make me yeah. build one at a time and then if I build it I photograph it then I break it down I, I built them sort of uh, the first one I ever built I didn't think about getting it off the door I just built a piece and then I was in the quandary of well I get to cut this piece in half and I get to break it apart and then that sort of made me learn how to build them like puzzles and Legos where they would kind of be sectional and mobile and I could get them out of my door and around the corner and into the elevator and all of those sort of logistics let alone shipping yeah and then the shipping just became me in a box truck driving them from like New York all the way down to Atlanta to have shows and just taking on that which it, it is, but, but it's a good one. It's like taking on the burden of like what it is to be a sculptor, you know, or you, you go, I'm going to make these installations or sculptures or whatever you feel they are. And you're like, well, now I'm the artist, the shipper, 
the builder, the installation. Like, you just kind of have to take on all that. You're the whole band plus yeah, the yeah, producer. If you really want to do it at the point where if there's not a lot of funding or you're working with galleries that just aren't like, I mean, it's not Hauser and Wirth, so they just don't send like 20 people over and whisk it off right. for me, you know? Like, so you have to do all the schlepping and heavy lifting, and yeah. it's a good thing, you know? And the work has evolved. Is it, I don't know, are you, are you still making those? Because the work that I saw here, I had to do another walk oh, yeah. earlier. Yeah. The work that I saw here and the work that I've seen on Instagram is um, photography based, or is it found object based? They're, say? they're all found yeah. photos. Uh, the, the larger sculptures sort of moved into a different realm. I had this strange moment uh, where right when uh, Lloyd had get this, decided to close his gallery, my New York gallery also shuttered. And then my studio building in Gowanus, Brooklyn sold. So I had like this succession of just like, how many hits can I take in oh, a row? Wow. And I was torn with what to do. And I had that feeling of like burden again, where you're like, well, like, like, what am I doing this for? Like, is it to make these pieces, and then to to be like the steward of them and have to carry them around, or is the goal to just keep creating and keep making something? And I had that that, that kind of feeling of like, what am I going to do? How do I get beyond this? And and I I came to like the revelation that I had to like destroy all my work. So I ended up taking all the pieces that I ever made from my first show in New York to the show that you saw at Lloyd's, and I just destroyed them all and took elements out of them, like telling myself that, oh, you know, one day I could build these again, so I'll save the lighting pieces, or I'll save, like, this fabric, and I'll save that. And then I realized I was never going to build them again, or if I did build them, they would be something else. And I had the opportunity to have a show in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, and uh, when I had that show... I used all those elements to make a, a Mongolian ouv, uh, and it's like a burial mound. And so I used all the pieces from all of my older work and made this sort of, I guess, uh, funeral for all the pieces that I had destroyed. And then that kind of shifted these sculptures into being really uh, temporary and not as labor-intensive as before, and, and just having a finite existence of the show and maybe in that window if someone wants to buy one then it can live on through them but for me that burden of storage and everything yeah. it, I just didn't it, it didn't feel like it fit my art practice and it was kind of a becoming stifling because I pretty essentially had a house broken apart in my studio yeah. and, and that was my studio was storage then you know yeah, I yeah. didn't have a studio any longer and I guess the question was about these pieces that are uh, in the temporary show I I, I started making them when I moved upstate, and that was the weird part. Like, I, I was in Brooklyn in the small studio, and I made really massive work. And then I moved upstate, and I started making small works on paper. And I, uh, I'd i been going out to New Mexico a lot, and being out in the high desert, and doing traveling throughout the West. And I really like those horizon lines, and I started them one winter when it was just snowing outside, and I I didn't I was supposed to build my garage out to become my studio, and that never happened in enough time because I was worried about like working on the house that me and my ex-wife had bought, and I just needed to start making something again. So these this came some kind of a just the, the need to create is where these began out of, and. The more I made them, the more they started developing into something larger. And the, the ideas were, at first, you're like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I just need to glue these pictures to this piece of paper and recreate these horizon lines. And then through that, just they started to evolve, and I started to understand them more. I love the deceptive simplicity of those. Yeah, it's, it's, it's I think they're, like, vulnerable and kind of scary work for me to make because I'm so used to, like, it's it's big and it's it's sculpture and it's wood and there's yeah. like metal and there's nails and I and I beat that and then those are just these delicate kind of simple a little feel a little exposed with them <laughs> is, is the, the arrangement of those found objects though I mean it is it's it's still in line with your sculptural yeah I, I think yeah they do you know it, it fits in that same idea of, of like time and memory and then just the, the the way that they're used I think 
putting it on like an 18 by 24 sheet of paper, yeah. having a lot of white space, the same way that I would want my sculpture to sit in the center of a, of a white cube, essentially, and all that negative space around it. Right. And I, I, I think I really enjoy the, the idea of negative space to, to what I make as like a positive image where an individual or a viewer wants to sort of uh, recreate or connect all the dots that I miss out and want to fill out that whole page with like more things than I ever give them. We were talking earlier about um, reward. Actually, I think that was last night talking with Joe. Was it? Yeah. Is that for you, where is that point, you know, when you realize that reward, where is that in the workflow, I guess? Hmm. That's a tough question for me. I, I think the reward is when you hit a point in, like, making the work. When, when like, I myself, as the artist, have a moment where I, I believe I'm making something that's really good or, or that I feel like I've touched on something. That I, you know, I, I made seven of these and then I. I think my eighth one is the one that I put together, and I was like, "Oh no, I'm I'm really doing something that I should continue with these." But it took me making eight of them to convince myself that this was even a worthwhile endeavor. Because those first ones, it's you're just kind of like floundering around, being like, "Is this working? Is this not working?" And then you kind of get into that groove, and then once you hit that, where you're like, "Okay, uh, I'm actually putting something on a piece of paper or building a sculpture." But there's some relationship that's happening where I, I feel like I'm in control, but I'm actually learning something from the work as I create it and keep moving along. And I think that's kind of the reward for me. It's, I think it's what keeps driving me back is that need to, 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 to make something and the desire to make something that's worthwhile. You know, is it when you see it though? Like, do you see that in your studio, or is it that they have to leave? They don't have to leave. No, like, like it, I, I think that that starts existing within the studio and then that helps me like have the bravery to go this is actually worth me putting on a wall or this is worth me calling a curator to see this it kind of it's where my confidence comes in to that and I'm like oh no this is it's it's I hate saying it because it's it sounds so arrogant but I guess that's like what artists are in a way but when you're like, oh, I, I made something important and somebody should look at this, or I made something that might be yeah, deemed yeah. important by somebody else. Yeah. And I feel kind of like an asshole for saying that, because mm -hmm. you're like, but that's just part of it, you know? Like a musician writes a song, and he's like, this should be on the radio. And that's, like, who, who am I to decide that? But sometimes you feel like you, you make something that's worthy of the things that you've seen in the world that, like, I really respect. And I'm like, you know, like maybe it's that good. I don't know. I don't decide that, though, you know? All the viewers and everyone else decides. I think that. that's great that you have that. I mean, I would think that's a gift to have that confidence. That's a great quality it for is. anybody in, yeah. in the creative world versus, you know, kind of the uh, the all shucks neurotic, you know, Woody Allen as as artist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, well, I mean, there's a little bit of that in me. You know, it's maybe there's a two sided coin. It depends on if you see me on Monday when I'm feeling good or like Wednesday when I completely doubt myself. You know, I, I think there's that oh, of course. The push and the pull, you know, there's always that fear, you know, like, and that's why I said that these kind of feel vulnerable to me because I'm so used to having that sculpture and I'm like, yeah, I, that's, that's my wheelhouse and I, everyone expects that. And then I put those up and I'm like, oh, that's, uh, that's, I feel, I think that's great though to have <laughs> yeah. range, you know, and also, yeah, okay. again, but, you know, if you're, you know, bombast in the best sense of the word. But, you know, if you have something that really can just stop people in their tracks versus switch gears, and here's this, especially where those are placed, yeah. you know, it is kind of very intimate, cold. Um, I got, really, I got really lucky. Like, Scott put me in a good spot, you know, and, and he also, he, he he wanted what I consider a lot of them. I mean, he called me and he's like, I want 12. And I was like, that's, I made 39 of them in total. And I did it for, like, uh, my 39th year. So I made all of them like leading up to turning forty, and and when he said twelve, I was like, "That's that, that's a lot," and they look really nice. I, I've seen them in shows where there's one and there's three, but then to to have a much larger range, it, it's it's pretty nice, you know. It, it, they they read different each time. They're spaced beautifully in that corner. Uh, to have Lonnie Holly's work in that corner, and then yours, that alone 
to me, is a strong show. Well, yeah, <laughs> right I'm sitting next to Lonnie Holly. I mean, like, who's going to complain? You're like, I got to replace me. No, that is... It, uh, it is nice, you know, because when you're in this space, like, it's it's massive. Uh-huh. And it's... Uh, I think in another realm... I mean, I think they could look nice on any wall in here, and I would love to hang by any of these artists, but in that space, I think when you when you go in and it does close off and it feels slightly removed and 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 maybe uh, like un, un unknowingly like when when that choice was made or maybe it was like I feel you go in there and there's it kind of silences out a little bit like how Lonnie has his own room and when you step into it e- even though it's part of the larger thing you step in and you feel like you're in somewhere slightly special looking at his work and then mine kind of carries out and being in that narrow hallway it, it just feels different, you know. It feels mm-hmm. a little, I guess, because it's so big to so small, and and it feels like you should slow down a little bit. We don't have that like monster noise that we had last night. Oh, that's true. You know how it was just bouncing around. Oh, well, you're there. getting all the reverberation off of everyone out yeah, there. And yeah, the, yeah. I'm looking at the levels, and they're just so much cleaner than they were. Believe it or not, we have levels in this. Uh, <laughs> um, it's just not on. We or are off. professional. Yes. <laughs> no, it. it we got so much noise and so much and so now today with the quiet I was able to just kind of walk through that that side and really experience it yeah it you know talking about that it's like I, I mean every artist I mean I, I would say that I, you I, I guess I'm guessing but for me I want the openings to be like really really busy and I'm like because yeah. I need it for my own self esteem and I'm like everyone came out and everyone loves this yeah. and it's packed to the walls and who who doesn't want that but then the best way I think to see any artist like today when you walk in and you're the only person in a room I love and you that. can just yeah. Yeah. take your time and walk through it and it it's big and, and, and I want it but I, I'm like oh I want everyone in the world to come but I want them all to come alone you yeah. know <laughs> one at a time <laughs> one at a time 66,000 square feet one at a time so you I, I'm trying to remember yeah. I, I can't remember your history did you where did you grow up my history is I grew up in South Carolina and then I went to my undergraduate at University of Georgia and then after being there I moved to Atlanta for a year and I was here before I moved to New York to do graduate school so then so then this travel to the Southwest has been something that happened uh, my ex was working uh, out there she was filming in New Mexico and we went out for like almost four years we'd be out there for a few months she would be out there permanently working oh, and I'd travel so back and forth okay. and so for me uh, I didn't really have a uh, I didn't really have a purpose when I was out there so I I would hike a lot and kind of go around and dig in and it's kind of became otherworldly to me like I, I didn't I didn't know if I'd like the like New Mexico and Southwest so much and then when Went out the first year, I was like, I don't know, I don't really know if I get this or not, but it's beautiful. And then like the second year, something kind of changed in me, and I really dug in, and now I go like once a year, like either to like Utah or Four Corners or Arizona, like there's this, something in it keeps pulling me back. Especially after being, now you're upstate or you're still in Brooklyn? I'm I'm upstate now, like I'm in Hudson, New York. Oh, nice. But at that time we were in Brooklyn. So that had to just be like mind-blowing to go from, you know, cramped, relatively speaking, you're not really seeing much sky, you're seeing buildings and bustle and bustle, and going out west and that just... Yeah, I think even from being in like, we can just swap it for the whole east coast, you know, when you're here and you're thinking about like mountain ranges and kind of the way that you look around and go to the middle of the desert and stand somewhere flat and look in all directions and there's nothing Mm -hmm. and it's uh it's kind of uh it's it's at at moments it's it's unsettling because you're like there and you're like oh like who is that other random person i can see out here and do i trust them and and then there's something like really i i don't like using this word a lot but i think there's something sort of spiritual about it there's something other than that I can't really put a finger on of why I like it so much and why it keeps drawing me back but there's something that I haven't it's it's. I'm looking for something out there that I haven't found yet I don't know what that is but I so I keep going back 
Are you listening to a lot of U2 while you're on? No, a lot of U2. No offense to anyone who likes you too, but I'm not no, listening to that record. Okay. Okay. That, um, that, that record. A you, you said <laughs> Speaking of records, all right. I think it's the uh, self-titled Crosby, Stills, yeah. and Nash. Not young yet. When they're sitting on the couch? Yeah, the couch. Was that, yeah. the, which record is that in Crosby, there? That's, that's the first one. First one? Yep. Yeah. Okay. You're thinking of the record cover I use? Yeah. I use the back of it. Yeah. Every time I'm flipping through, I see that. I think Drew Conrad. Yeah, I, th- that was... That was me. I don't know why. I came out of a printmaking background when I did my undergraduate, and so I don't have. I don't have a fear of paper and working on paper, or in like a flat surface. Uh, but when I was making those sculptures, I, I can I can admit like I'm really not very good at drawing, and so it's like the Achilles heel of me where I'm like oh I can build this and I can do that and then you like draw this thing and I'm like that looks horrible you know like I, I, I and so I always shied away from it and those record pieces became a way for me to make what I was maybe attempting is that I is when you have shows and you want like little moments or maybe I wanted something to hang in my own house that wasn't like eight feet tall yeah. So I found all these record covers that had some sort of architectural aspect, or there was like a house or a room, or elements that I was using in my sculptures that I that were mirrors to that. And that also came out of I made a piece that was uh, a whole record collection that ended up. It was in my. It wasn't in the show in Atlanta. I, it was in my show in New York. Okay. I the, it was at a Fitzroy at a show called Ain't Dead Yet, and it was like my whole record collection. So I stacked them on a shelf and they were all corroded and then through this little crummy speaker just played a skipping record that ended up sounding like a heartbeat okay yeah so I kind of and then since I was using records I was like oh well I can just use this record cover that had the imagery that was similar to imagery I was using and then that kind of led me into doing three or four of those and then I kind of stopped one day, randomly. So you worked with one with a single records, and then you worked with stacks of records. Yeah, like how many of the single pieces did you do? Probably, maybe six of them, and then like was it, as I remember, was it burned? The Crosby They all looked like they were burned, yeah. but I didn't burn anything. Like all the work that I made was. I, I used water-based wood stains and just like layered and layered and layered and then it had oh. tons of dirt on it so it had the feeling of being burned but nothing was ever burned it was just like tons and tons of like layers and just making it dirtier and dirtier as I went along yeah we could have uh, hipped you to some really dirty record stores we know that uh, yeah you know like that was kind of <laughs> yeah I, I, yeah where you're like no I'm good yeah I know I was, I was, I was using all those record pieces and I, 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 I think one day I just ran out of steam for it. Like I, I used all the records I knew had like some sort of architectural imagery on them that I really wanted to use, and I didn't want to use like crummy records. I wanted to use records that I liked. You know, I'm like, oh no, this is like yeah. I'm proud of this record. It wasn't like oh, just because it's got a house on it, I've never heard it, or it's like some weird disco track that I don't love. Just to use that, like that didn't make any sense. And uh, and then I would go to like record stores at one time and I started like digging through crates looking for it and I was like what am I doing you know like I'd rather be here digging through crates looking for records I really wanted rather than just like I'm looking at images and trying to find like a building or a house and I'm like this I have way better things to be doing right now yeah that does sound like you're right right, there's that personal connection because you recognize the record you listen to the record and so there's that emotional kind of entry yeah, that, that the viewer has for those. Yeah, uh, you're right. Rather than just picking random records to which people will not. I mean, not everyone's going to have a connection to every record, but no. But, but it it should relate. Uh, like that's kind of was my rule. It should have. It had to relate to me in some way, or it had to be like, well, uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be embarrassed if someone saw this record in my record collection. You yeah. know, it's not like in the hidden box that you break out during the parties or when no one's around. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Peter Cetera and the, yeah, yeah, you know. I, I, you know what? I did turn the ringer off, but I still have the phone. I, I actually, you're being contacted. I, I, there was an attempt to contact no. me. There was an attempt to contact me. Sorry about that. It's okay. Um, Is the ringer? Are we too loud? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> no, I don't think it's... Maybe it's, I don't know. Listener feedback. We should just be getting that on the uh, chat here. And we don't have the um, analog messages that are active today. We're not going to activate that right now. Yeah. That was Wait, such what, a... What is that? It's a... Shoot. Air duct that has a... Uh, demolished uh, banana clip... Uh, on a string and they, and there's a box up top with a door and it was just like a weird attempt at like a pneumatic two messaging system. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So there was some communication with uh, unnamed parties upstairs last night. It's very distracting. And it's very exhausting to hand write this stuff yeah. and then you're just... While you're trying to yeah. have a conversation. Yeah, while you're having that, yeah, you know. Like, so that was interesting. I can understand, but like maybe, you know, it's like, like they'll send like a random question down the pipe, you know, and see what it yeah. is, yeah. There's a beauty in that because you can send it Instagram, you can send it chat, and then there's that, and that immediately was activated by the uh, people in the space rather than us because we didn't, we just put a... Suggest we had we had talked table. about it, and then you know you get busy with the, yeah. and then you're like, hey. when did you get here? I got here at three thirty. Is when I walked into this space yesterday. It was Ooh, now, yeah. I did this on purpose, and I I'll tell him this to his face, so I don't mind saying this yeah. live or on this podcast. Is that I came in late because I love Scott to death. And I knew if I came here three days earlier, I'd have been here from sunrise to sun. I'd have never left this space. And I and I love Scott to death, and, and I would do anything for him. But like this time, I was like, I'm not. I'm just going to take it easy. I'm going to come down. I'm going to be here the days after. We can just hang out. It'd be chill. And I still came in and walked in, and they handed me a hammer drill and a tape measure, and we just started hanging everything and. It, it, but but it's kind of nice, you know, because I, it, you come into a space where all these Atlanta-based artists are still working and doing all these things, and I was able to come in and like at least put in a few hours and hang work and talk to artists that I really didn't know and meet people and go, hey, I'm that guy that used to live here but hasn't lived here in so many years. Yeah, and and it it, it did help and it made me feel like I came in and like the cavalry has arrived and it coalesced with everyone else. But yeah, it was. It was not supposed to happen that way. I was supposed to walk in. All my work was supposed to be hung. I was just going to reorganize it to my liking, light it perfectly. That's what I heard. That's yeah. And then and then it was great because my parents came down and my family was coming and I walked out the door at uh, six o'clock to go and shower and get ready. And I think they walked in at about six o five. And I was like, mm. entertain yourselves. I'll be back in about thirty minutes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you've shown. I'm trying to think how. In in New York, the spaces where you've shown. In New York, I, uh, I my first show in New York was at Fitzroy, which is now shuttered. That was on Christie Street, mm-hmm. and then I've shown at uh, Custera Projects with Anna Custera and Carter Custera, and that's out in uh, Red Hook, Brooklyn. I've shown at Spring Break Art Show. I've uh, I'm now represented by a gallery called Signs and Symbols which is on Forsyth I've shown at uh, well I didn't really show there but I, I worked at a residency at, Pine, at uh, Pioneer Works and that was through Clock Tower and did like a month long there I, I feel like I probably had another art show that I'm just forgetting somehow I, I, like it's bad I'd have to like look at my own CV to tell you are you uh, more used to the white glove treatment with the uh, hanging of work or this DIY thing how much exposure have you had I've had like I've had like white glove and I've had <laughs> D- DIY and I, I feel like no matter where you go it's always a little DIY like yeah I, I, here it's just when you're in like these spaces like spring break kind of feels the same way like it, it as much as you clean and as much as you do everything, any surface that you touch, you're like, oh, I just touched the wrong surface, and now my hand is yep. covered in soot and some grease that I didn't know existed. That happened to him with the clamp lights. Yeah, and that's and that's kind of hard when you're handling work, and yeah. you know, it, it's it's a bunch of artists, so no one really thinks to be like, oh, maybe I should have brought that box of white gloves to yeah. hang all these objects around, and yeah, no, I, I kind of have a preference. I like I like the DIY. Uh, I like these sort of moments. It's okay to say you don't. No, like no, I, I do. The, the the white glove to me, it it goes into a realm much like I I don't thoroughly enjoy 
going to artist studios who have like a hundred assistants. You know, it, it goes, it, it's, I wouldn't want like a bunch of people just to whisk in, mm-hmm. take my stuff, hang it. And I just stand there and kind of point it, it removes it. I, I still enjoy driving a nail into a wall and hanging my work and doing the mathematics and all the things that go to hang it on a the wall. There's something about that kind of start to finish. I just, I don't know. I think it is like to work. Maybe I think in some of the work is part of it, you know, like the to 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 be able to do it from start to finish and not feel like uh, that there's some like removal or that I need like this sort of treatment to be able to make art anymore or or that and maybe that's, that's maybe that's what I'm getting at is it it's it's still not precious to me it's still like my artwork like I don't think it should ever. It's, it's always weird when art kind of, it's in your studio, you can kick it around, you do all this stuff to it, like you're, it's, I, I mean, I try to keep them as nice and as white and clean and I use an eraser, but then right. you can be a little bit more cavalier with it and you can kind of throw it around and then all of a sudden you walk into a gallery and everyone's got on white gloves and bubble and I'm like, this never happened until like it walked into right. this door yeah. and it's like, what happened when we crossed that threshold? It went into this other dimension, you know, and yeah. I, yeah, I'm not. No, I, I like to. It's just, it's just an object, you know. It's something that should be enjoyed. I mean, like, yeah, like I would love to think about having a piece, or even maybe thinking about artists that do have pieces that like change people's perceptions of everything. But I think at the end of the day, when when they touch their art and handle it, it's still just this thing that they made. You know, it's not this rarefied object ever. You know. That seems healthy to me. I, I've said it a thousand times, but like Chris Martin, you know, the fact that his paintings um, part of the uh, ongoing is those being literally kicked and pushed and, uh, yeah. you know, berated versus um, I kind of walk that line sometimes. Like you get something framed and, you know, you don't want the fingerprints or the a nick and it's kind of, um, kind of paralyzing or like handcuffs versus yeah, it, being able, I wish, you know, in another world, it'd be nice to have work that, like, you could just not be uh, all tensed up. Like, I hope they're, you know, yeah, it's kind of a big, you know, Italian about, sub before they hung that. Yeah, it's kind of like thinking about music and all that. It's like a Christian Marclay's record without cover, you know, where like the whole point is just scratch the fuck out of it and see how it plays, We've and it just keeps like growing here. Yeah, yeah from there. <laughs> We've actually got a machine there that will scratch him for you. Uh, no. It'll automatically do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you need a new needle. We, <laughs> well, we didn't want to invest too much in the temporary studio. I have gone on record that I would at least set a level and just turntable 101. You know, you want a flat plinth. Yes. And <laughs> yeah. he's fighting me on it. And yet. Oh, no, no, no. I'll, I'll bring in the right tools. Now that we can, have, you know, catch it sounds our breath. great, but I'm not putting any of my records on that thing for fear of it just gouging. I, we could upgrade the, 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 <laughs> the, the stylus. Yeah, cartridge stuff. Yeah, it cart- does, though. Seriously, it sounds uh, it sounds pretty great in here. Yeah, it um, sounded really good coming in. So we've, you know, uh, I mean, we've again it feels so lucky to be you know part of this like yeah. this ancillary back office. Did, um, did the phone come mounted, or did you no, want this we, up here? Look at this. Oh yeah, yeah. we did that. Um, and it, you wouldn't believe it was pretty good it just walking good, in. Man. But then put that up. It feels really warm. It's kind of deadening. You know, it's good. Yeah. Your levels are looking good. Oh yeah, I think so. I, I, I hear that often. <laughs> you, you maintain good levels. Yeah, I'm like, hey, hey I are. like those levels. Those are nice. I'm like, yeah, thanks. All right, well, my so voice gets a little deeper. When I say, I'm like, hey, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, you, so you live in Hudson? I, I live in Hudson right now. I, uh, I, I don't know how long I'm going to be there for. Like, I, it's sort of. Uh, me and my ex moved up and bought a house and things didn't work out and now sort of in this uh, everyone keeps asking me what I'm going to do and I'm oh, like what's next? Oh. But, but you, you got to do something but my problem is what do I do and there's this thought of, uh, of going west and I think it's just something that I want to do like I, I don't quite know where to go and, and, and where to travel and maybe I just need to travel for a while so I'm in this moment of, of like a holding pattern and it's about to get really really cold in Hudson mm-hmm. which I still have southern blood no no matter how long I'm in the northeast but it was easier being in New York City because there's 
it's pretty lively and it, right. it gets a little sleepy upstate but it does make it a lot easier in this situation that I'm in so uh, I'm thinking like LA at some point in time is where I probably will end up landing but when that happens I don't know you know I don't I mean, it's life like I, I guess mm. I just kind of live it and roll each day and make some work and I think that that's that's kind of where I'm at like I'm applying to a ton of residencies and lots of artist opportunities and in in Hunt, let me ask you something. Yeah. Hunt September Gallery. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're familiar with that? Yeah. Kristen huh? Dodge's place. Yes. Yeah. We've talked about it previously. That's always. Joe will have one too. Thank you. Um, Synchronize. Sync. Sync it up. One, two, three. Oh, that wow. was that was okay, pretty that, perfect. Uh, wow. Yeah. That's just close. So, I love that space. Yeah. And that was a little. That, so last time I was up there, that was a, just a. Just a surprise to me because I had in, I had in, I had really enjoyed Dodge Gallery. Yeah, I love Dodge Gallery. Like yeah, the space, the work. Space, yep. Yeah, that was kind of a that was like one of those galleries that I, I would see their programming and that's where I wanted to end up before I ended up at Fitzroy because Fitzroy didn't exist right when Dodge first opened and then Dodge Gallery shuttered a little bit before. Fitzroy did. They shut down around the same time. There was like that moment of, uh, for a myriad of different reasons, and every gallery had like a different reason of why they just closed down. But it was like when all those mid tiers just kind yeah. of got pleated out of New York, and it was like, <laughs> when my gallery closed, <laughs> my my gallery. She was like, I'm really going to try to help all you artists get placed in galleries. So just give me a list of like maybe people you'd want to meet or people I could try to help send you to and we'll, we'll oh. see if like we can continue like your representation somewhere and I made a list of like six galleries and I think in like three months four of them had closed I was like a four very wow very very poor choices of like when if I was a betting man longevity is not what I would bet on <laughs> what what the, the problem well we could I mean we could no 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 but that for yeah but but September is like a like it's like the best gallery in Hudson. It's like one of there's not many galleries left. Uh, Jeff Bailey was there, and he decided to kind of retire his gallery down and shut it down. That recently? That's recently. I think that's in about the last years when that happened. Okay, because there was one that I I saw an email on about uh, probably a month ago, and I can't. Uh, <laughs> a little inside baseball here, but let me ask you this: Is the word that you is are these like retirements? when these galleries are closing now or is it uh, symptomatic of something larger happening? Well, uh, I, I I know that like the people that I, some of the galleries that I've known have closed in New York. It's just overhead, you know, it, yeah. and it's the idea of, uh, of you know, like when you factor in how much the rent is and then you go, well, how much artwork do you have to sell? And then, I mean, I, the, it's the fair circuit too, you know. It's like that grind of. It, it's. I think that's what most people would probably say is hard. You know, like if you're a smaller gallery and you're trying to start out in the world, like in a. And if you want to, we can call it whatever. But like if you want to compete in New York, the fairs are kind of like one of those proving grounds, and and you have to go to them to generate sales. But then they cost you ten thousand dollars to have a booth. But then. That's how people start recognize your name, and it, it gives. When that happened, I don't know, but it gives galleries some sort of like legitimacy that like the artists will go to. I know friends that like get represented, and that's like one of their first questions. They're like, "What fairs do you go to?" And if you say no fairs, and they're probably going to be like, "Well, I'm going to go with this gallery because they mm -hmm. go to like Brussels and they go here and they go there." And fairs, man, those are just bummers to me. Oh, he's. See, I'm. I think that as artists, I think we should boycott Miami, for instance. Oh, I thought you were going to say you really love fairs. No, be like you're but really think, about to bum think, me. I'm leaving this no, conversation. But I, I, I think I know it's like, hey, Miami in December. But I'm thinking, why would you participate? Spend one dollar on something that, and then in that same breath, people will talk about like, oh man, look at the gallery situation. Yeah, you know, you know like, like, too, I I know it's fun. I used to go down to the right when it first began. I mean. Wow, how long ago was that? It was like, I remember going down like 2004, 2005, and those eras when there, there was it was only 
Miami Basel, and there might have been like one other fair. And now there's just so many fairs down there. Even in New York, they just they just keep popping up, and you're like, wait, there's like seven fairs happening at one yeah. time. Yeah, like I, I I used to go, and I, I would I would go to it because I was like, I need to see what's happening, and I want to go. And I would just leave, and I'd be so bummed out. And exhausted. <laughs> and one of my friends who, former gallerist who does like now like nonprofit and then kind of these satellite shows and kind of does her own thing, looked at me and she's like, why do you go to fairs? Like you have, they're not for you. You know, they're like they're not for an artist. They're for collector base. And it's just, it's, it is kind of a bummer to go because it makes you go like, this isn't what I'm making art work for. And it kind of, it's mall at Christmas vibe, you know, where, where it's just things right. are there. It's like, can we sell this? There's no, no, no I, curation. No, yeah, it's, or maybe, maybe that's the way it is. If I always keep bringing this back to music, maybe because there's that record player over there, but it's, maybe it's the same way that musicians felt when like iTunes and all that came out and you're like, Oh, well now you have the single and you no longer have to buy the full album. So the concept album and the full overarching, like like I have this vision and it starts here and then we play 12 songs and it ends and there's this thing that I'm trying to make and now you're like no you, you get one song and we call it a track which is weird I, like, still, I still call them songs I can't I don't call them tracks that's weird yeah 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 you know one of the, well we've been having this conversation recently about the repackaging well the, the, the remix remastering repeatedly of, of the Beatles work yeah because there's a couple like there's, yeah there are and then they'll throw all these extra demos in and suddenly you're at six records and I, don't, I don't own any Beatles records well I, and I hear I, I, choose, I choose wings over Beatles you know what <laughs> I am glad to hear that yeah. I'm glad to hear wings get the appreciation yeah. that, that it's that. it's wings and Ringo's first album you know like those things yeah, yeah. it's just really George right and George Wright, like, yeah, two of them. Least yeah, I mean, the production yeah. and the right, yeah, yeah. But uh, good, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, yeah. But the, but the, the in the case of the White Album, you get the Escher demos. Mm-hmm. And so I was listening to that the other day, um, streaming it. It's like, you know what? I don't need this. I don't need this. I've list. I've heard so much. I don't get any. Like, I don't really buy many new records. Like, I, I'd rather have a really scratched up, like, original that has like some nicks and some like noise in it then to get like the brand new remastered sort of shebang like here's the new album cover and here's this like there's something maybe I'm like the worst like audiophile that I'm like oh like I I want the original one even though there's something really nice in it you know Um, and people I think a lot of people are fine with that like the warmth the authenticity yeah there is that I mean there's a sug of nostalgia right like you know the of when a lot of folks when they were kids listening to records that way um, yeah I uh, I don't mind I think I tend to some pops in here and there I think I can yeah. like ignore them but there's just something in my brain though like when I'm listening to stuff um, where I kind of I want a real crisp experience but oh, yeah. I don't know I mean do you I'm, I wanted to ask this a while but do you play instruments? No I'm, I'm a horrible musician like I, I have no Maybe that's why I like music so much because I have no musical skill of like rhythm or anything of that nature. Did you were you did you ever like take lessons? I, I tried. I was in like middle school band. I played the trombone. That was a really short lived moment. But like drum, like rock musician. Like, no, 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 no. I never, no, never, never played. Because I we've had a couple people at this table make say the same thing. Uh, another UGA alum to boot, but. Um, and we both play. I've played since I'm a kid, and but I, it almost pains me when I hear you know adults say like, "Oh, I'm terrible. I have no ability. No this." And it's so much of like just like art, you know. It's like it's something yeah. you just you just have to do I know. and fail yeah. at it for a while. And it's yeah. but what, it's. You know. I think what happened, like I, I remember the moment I was I moved to New York, and that was around the time when was when was that? I moved to New York and. 2002, I think, 2003, sometime in that ballpark. And uh, everyone was in bands. That's like right after like The Strokes and Interpol's first albums came yeah. out. And they were just like eating up like every indie rock band. And they signed a ton of people. And 
everyone I knew was in a band and like had an album coming out and it got shelved or got dropped or whatever happened. And I was like, I'm going to join a band. Like, I'm going to do this. And I'm like, what does everyone need? I'm like, I'll be like a bass player. Or something. Yeah, it's always like, a bass player. My, my, my yeah. friend played bass, and then he looked at me, and he's like, Drew, he's like, look around you. And I was like, what? He's like, you're the only visual artist, and everyone in this room plays a musical instrument. He's like, just stay the course and be different than everyone else. And I was like, you know, that's... And I was, I think I was really young and really drunk when I got that, like, like thing, but it really helped me go like, wait, I am the only artist in a room full of musicians, and if I start playing this, and they're all better than me, then like I'm just, you know, I'm just going to distract myself from something that I might really be good at, and I'm trying to get a degree in, but that's like, yeah, oh, I'm going to get my master's in visual art, but I'm going to be in a band on the side. Yeah, it, it seemed like a. It, he was like, this seems like a bad move. <laughs> you know, to pull it back into Beatles history, Stu Sutcliffe was a bass player, and he was really should have been. Stayed on the visual path. <laughs> he didn't. I don't think he really played at all. Didn't they, they just had him for his hair? He. I thought he just because he would also turn his turn around. He was so shy. But I don't think they even plugged him in. They just he really. Yeah, I don't think he could play at all. Not at all. I'm. I will. <laughs> My God. I don't like to do research while we're right. I'm not. After rigorous show prep, we'll just, we'll just wonder about. We'll that. wonder. Yeah, you uh, can't cheat. I think they plugged him in. I'm pretty sure. And what they, they told him, they just kept it on well, zero. Yeah. Well, it went to 11, but they only kept it at zero. Yeah, <laughs> Before we jump to the next guest, yeah. I want to ask you something. Uh, talking about upstate New York, does it feel like Appalachia sometimes? Yeah. And it's yeah. not just the people and the... But there's something about the light, the streams, and the, you know... I, I Yeah, it's, it's really... It, it kind of feels very much like being in visually like in certain parts of like North Carolina when you get yeah. into the mountains and like in Tennessee and stuff and uh, I think that whole I, you, you know like my parents came up and they were sort of surprised at what it was like and they're like oh it's like being home and I was like I think some people just vision like New York City and then like you think about New Jersey and you think about Newark and you just have like this kind of urban sprawl yeah smokestacks yeah, yeah smokestacks yeah. and it's supposed to look like the Dr. Seuss like whatever that is like the, the Lorax where it's just all like death yeah. and all that and factories and it's really really nice you know and it, it is very Especially going up the Hudson I think it always surprises yeah, it's, people it's beautiful yeah. like you get up there if you oh. take the Taconic up and you're just hitting it doesn't take very far like you're out of the city and then 30 minutes you either cross over the Tappan Zee you're crossing into like and the, the new the one. Area. Yeah, and, and it's just really, really beautiful whichever way you go, like once you get right out. But I mean, Same even with leaving, Jersey, though. Jersey gets a bum rap. It, it does, but like, yeah. but, but it's got to get out of Newark. Yeah, but if you yeah. cross over the, like, the George Washington Bridge and then you're like, you're on the Palisades, which is a beautiful drive, like, it doesn't take much to, like, yeah. get it, it just into seems, somewhere that feels yeah. really familiar. You can go all over the, you know, the country and there are places that have similar, uh, Topological features, I guess. Yeah. Is that correct? Topographical? Topographical, Topographical. sorry. I don't know what a topological is. I don't know what. I like it. I do. I'm usually We're going to look that up. Yeah. I'm usually it's the one that weird. makes the bad yeah. mispronunciation and he chuckles and he'll be like, <laughs> characteristics. Um, but you know, you feel like you're in a different place. And for some reason, when I go there, I don't feel, I mean, I feel like I could be in North Carolina. Very much so. You know, it's and wild. then uh, but my, my old roommate was from Maine and he had a pretty good joke. He'd say, it doesn't matter. How far you go? You, you just have to go a certain distance north and south out of New York City, and you're going to hit a redneck. And it yeah. Kinda, and it kind of has that feeling of the South, and like kind of like some of the more like smaller towns. I mean, like Hudson yeah. has like a few thousand people living in it. And you have all these like little hamlets and little villages, and same with Long Island now. I mean, yeah. once you get past like Uniondale and all those places, if you head out like middle yeah. middle of the island, like I, you know, it's like it's you call like there's horses. There's yeah. what's the story? Do you know the story? Uh, maybe tell some the dirt little about island that's right in the middle of the with the uh, with the lighthouse on it. No, uh, it's like there's a it's a, I guess an abandoned kind of mansion kind of thing, and there's a bootlegger story about it and all of this other stuff. You're not in like you're just in the Hudson River at this moment. You're not in yeah. Hudson proper. No, you're, you're in the Hudson River. You were at Bannerman Castle, probably. Is that what it is? It's down near like Cold Spring Beacon area. It's like this old yes, oh, that. yes, yes. Yeah, yes. it's Bannerman Castle. You can go over there. And you know that the story used to be like the guy like stockaded, like like kind of like weaponry and war materials and stuff. 
Yeah, I, I I went there once and like took the tour. Can you go there? Yeah, you can get out and they walk you around. It, it keeps falling into more and more disrepair, yeah. and parts of it keep falling down. But like it used to be this really big fortified thing, and it was it was like an armory in there that like. But it's this personal guy supplied weapons and like cannonballs and stuff to like military. I've heard that it has several kind of lives. Yeah, I, I it was years ago that I went. And I, I, I would I go think, again. I thought it was closed now, but they, it, it might they were be. looking for somebody to be able to. I think we should activate the space. It should be the next uh, yeah. do a pop up there. Can you imagine? I was about to say it doesn't have a roof. It's just like one wall. <laughs> even, better. even better. Even better. Yeah. So I mean, be like an Andy yeah. Goldsworthy would, meets. Yeah. yeah. Just make sure it's the summertime. You know, it won't be the winter residency I, up there. And that's one of the things that doesn't feel like Appalachia in the winter. It's another. If you're, you, you've it's got already to be snowed up there. For that. Yeah, it snowed. It's. I think when I left, was it like something like eighteen degrees or something? Like it's only November. I, it, I haven't even eaten a turkey yet. Like this is bad. I don't have. I couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah. Up there. The cowboy boots don't work out so well in that weather. Oh no. <laughs> Oh yeah, yes. Yeah, so I noticed though. So you come, you come here, and you're like, ah, oh, put the boots back on. Yeah, no, I wear them up. I wear them upside till yeah. it starts snowing, and then they just turn into skis. Yeah. You know, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's brutal. Uh, Drew, thank you for coming today. Thank if you. someone were to learn more about your work, where would they go? Uh, you can Google my name, and my website comes up. Or my website is easily drewconradart.com, and that's where you can find everything about me. Or you can go to. Uh, you can also look up Signs and Symbols New York, and that's a gallery that I'm represented by in New York City. Very good. And Instagram? Instagram is uh, Westward Yearning. After I just named it after all the work that I'm making right now. I needed some... I just had my name for a while, and somebody made fun of me. They're like, you just use your name? And I was like, oh, I need to have like a... Like interesting well, handle. Can't do. You yeah. can't you do can't, that no, anymore. No, no, no. You got to have uh, a handle. Yeah. Wow. Can't see, we've got some friends on yeah. the other thing where they're yeah. like, no, 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 man, don't be funny. You need to use your name. Oh, well, sir. I got. I got. Yeah. So I don't know. I was using my name, and then I went to this, but maybe I'll go back to my name. I don't know. Oh, there's just, I'm just there's trying so to much these days. You can't keep up no. with them. You're never doing everything right. No. Or anything right. No. For no. No. Yeah. no. The kids come up behind you. Thanks. I'm so glad we were finally oh, able to do this. It's great awesome. to finally meet you. And hopefully uh, you'll have me back again, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, yeah. we'd love to have a man in Hudson. Yeah. Yeah, you could become could, our man in Hudson. I could, I could be like a satellite reporter. We yeah. could scramble your voice, too, if you'd like. Oh, we could do it. Yeah, I'm I'm dying to do that. What, what, I, I don't know. Yeah, I could have one of those. Where I'm like, yeah. You call in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want yeah. to sound like I've, I've, I know special information yes yep. and I'll just be a shady figure yep I mean we're giving it away now but. okay well, so, yeah, yeah, well, well they won't know it'll just be people have short attention span you were just listening to a live stream recording of Brain Fuzz on site from the residency at the Temporary Arts Centre in Atlanta subscribe to the podcast on your favourite podcast platform iTunes Google Play Spotify and Stitcher thanks for looking through the window 